Hello, listeners. This is Lucy. It is mid-September when this episode, which is number 59, will be hitting our Inspiration from the Couch podcast. So we are so glad you're here today. Um, As we've mentioned in some of our last episodes, we have some awesome workshops. We've had one, Badass Boundaries, the three-step system to saying no, that we've done a few rounds of, and we'll be doing it again in the next few weeks. We have a second workshop on asking for help, and sometimes those two pair really nicely. You know, it's hard to say no for many of us, and it can be really hard to ask for help. And so if you find those things are a struggle for you, or you're just interested in hearing more about them, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information on our website, badassmethod.com, and you can go under the workshops tab there. And if you want to join us, we have a special discount code for half off the registration fee. And so the coupon is half-ass, H-A-S. L-F-A-S-S. So you can use that to get half off your registration. So thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you virtually and to be able to put some faces with, with our listeners. So looking forward to it. Welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Welcome, listeners. So today we are talking about vulnerability hangovers. So if that's a new term for you, we'll like walk you through it. So Jamie and Avery, when did you first hear this term? Maybe a couple of years ago. I think when I was talking with my BFF, Brene Brown. (laughs) I think that's probably, I mean, I think it has been a few years. I can't remember exactly, but my guess is it's probably somewhere around her, her work on Mm -hmm. vulnerability, shame, that kind of thing probably is where I I heard it. Probably right. Yeah. So what does it mean to you or in like, in what context do you use this term? So what it means in general is that idea to me is that idea of that I've shared something and then the day after I have some feelings about it. And I, not surprising probably to anybody, I am a open book. I'm very open. And so I actually experience this quite a, quite a bit that I'll share something either on this podcast or out in the wild. And then the next day we'll feel like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. Or just either judgment or just like, uh, the hangover is a great word because it, or just like pain of like, oh, that hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, for me, it was, it's kind of a, oh shit, um, (laughs) kind of moment. Yeah. Afterwards, usually there's a little bit of a delay for me. Like after I put something out there or I behave in a certain way or whatever, then I'm like, oh, I'll start to think about it and then go back and replay and be like, oh Lord, why did I do that? Yeah. So I think, and I'm glad you said behave too, because I think it can definitely be what we verbalize and what we say, but also in our like behaviors and how we act or how we might be perceived as well. What are some symptoms of a vulnerability hangover? Mm. Fatigue, for sure. There's emotional symptoms like shame, regret. I think those are probably the big ones for me. And and just like exhaustion. Uh Yeah. And just this one, like I just like in all ways wanting to go back to bed. Yeah. Like it's kind of like turtle mode. Like you want to like pull in and hide and like pull the covers up over your head. Like retreat, 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 retreat. retreat. (laughs) Abort mission, Uh abort. Yeah, I would say the same. Like just wanting to avoid and withdraw and just 
hide and distract myself, all of those kinds of things. So mine pretty consistently with my personality, kind of a, a healthy dose of like the overplaying mm. and the like replaying and the overanalyzing. So kind of the thinking. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays, especially as I've as I step out of like some of the anxious swirl around it, I think it can just feel tender. Like I think there can just be this kind of sense of tenderness with it, like feeling a little bit like nerves frayed sense around it, maybe a headache, maybe feeling kind of exhausted or depleted, kind of wanting to disconnect a little bit, maybe kind of distracted or unsettled. Totally. Insecurity, uncertainty, all of those pieces. Yeah. Does this come up in your clinical work with your clients? Like when when does this come up in that sense? It does. It can come up for me personally and working with, with clients depending on what I've said or or done with clients. I don't know. That makes it sound really bad. <laughs> like, Jamie, what are you doing in your therapy <laughs> sessions with your clients? But I see it honestly like more so from their end where maybe they've shared something and then they come in the next session and everything's a-okay or worse than that, where they'll want to reschedule or something will come up and they'll they'll cancel because they've really put but themselves out there. you're talking about it like in their work with you. In their work with me, up. yes. Uh-huh. I, will, I will see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I've had a big session with you and then next week I'm canceling. A really big session and now it's like, oh no, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going on inside the client? Yeah, I mean, I think it it is partly this, partly having this, you know, that they've opened up, they've shared something with me, they've really sort of put it all out there, very vulnerable, very raw, and then are wanting to kind of close back in or make it, you know, kind of dismiss like, oh, okay, it's all okay now. I just had that with a client not that long ago where he was, he kind of said the same kind of thing, like, oh, it's good. <laughs> things are good where well, I'm not a one session wonder. We need to like circle back around. Like what's going on with that? Like avoidance of that. Yeah. But that closing off that yes, happens. Yes. And it tends to be, it's interesting because I think I think of it as something that's not so like willful. It feels yeah. more like protective and automatic. Yeah. It's definitely different than like a defensiveness right. there. It's not necessarily so much a, I'm going to be on guard and, kind of a more aggressive sort of stance, but it it feels more like a retreating kind of like I do, I need to go in and and protect myself. And like you're saying, it's, it doesn't even have to be conscious. I mean, I think that I've had, I've had a similar thing. I'm glad you brought that up with patients where it's like, we have this session that goes really deep and then the next session they either cancel, like don't. And then, and if we say, well, I wonder what that was about. Oh no, I just had some, like they may not really have an awareness Mm -hmm. at all. And I think you can kind of dig deeper and realize like, you know, maybe three weeks ago, that same thing could have come up and you would have canceled the other thing and come. But on this time, it was like, you're a little tender. You're feeling a little iffy. So I don't think it's always conscious. I think it's just, ooh, that we, we got too close. I need to get some, get my distance, get my boundaries back, get my barriers back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is something often that comes up too with clients, like that they just talk about it in their lives more generally, right? So it can come up in the context of the therapy relationship, but can it's also something that comes up often in my sessions with clients. So if they have been on a date with someone or they're kind of talking with friends or they, I see it a lot. I think another big risk factor for this is alcohol use. I think sometimes when people have been drinking or using substances, they're potentially more likely to have a vulnerability hangover because it's the sense of like, what did I say or do? And I feel a little like uncertain with it. Absolutely. And especially as, I don't know, I think with with dating being the way that it is now, which is very different than how dating was when I dated, there is this like, 
I don't know, interesting dynamic of like how you kind of play yourself online, like if it's an online dating and then like versus in, I don't know, there's just this interesting kind of how much do you share? How much do you not share? What is kind of being vulnerable and appropriate? What feels like an overshare? Like that, that idea even of like oversharing, like there is this kind of play of like, you want to be real and authentic, but you don't want to overshare and kind of, I think alcohol absolutely plays a part of uh, what did I do? What did I say? But I think dating in general seems to pull for that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. Where you're just reminding me, Avery, for individuals who have different sort of expectations around boundaries, around those those limitations, like how much emotionally, like emotional boundaries, how much am I going to share versus what I'm what I'm not going to share? And then what happens, like you were saying, Lucy, when substances get <laughs> thrown into the mix, yeah, there definitely can be not just like a real physical hangover after the fact, but also to that vulnerability, emotional kind of, of hangover, like, oh no, what did I do? Yeah. Hey, what other kinds of situations do you have clients talk about maybe that make them feel vulnerable and make them have this vulnerability hangover? Yeah, I think definitely with with us individually, I think in, in romantic relationships, and I think even in like friend relationships, I think that they really seem to, I'm, I'm thinking especially like my college students, that things get so close so fast and there can be that kind of either hesitation to share because of that, like not wanting to be over, you know, an oversharer or even kind of just some feelings about how quickly things get shared at the beginning of this relationship. I think college, especially because it's so intense. I mean, they're living together. They're so close, but I think it can happen in any like new social situation, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about like some of my other clients of women who are a little bit they're older than college age, they're out in their careers and trying to navigate balancing personal life with professional life. So for example, I work with a lot of women who are struggling with fertility issues. And so there's a lot of concern for them. And, you know, honestly, rightly so. And some of the work environments that they work in, especially if they're one of the only females that work there, like how much do I share about, I need to be off for this particular doctor's appointment, or I have this other lab appointment or this kind of thing. And so it's a very vulnerable place to be to say, hey, we're struggling with building a family. So how much of that information do I want to share? Because sometimes people are very accepting of that in work environments. And then and other times they're not. And I've, I've heard some like big, just really inappropriate things that people have said to them, like higher ups or, you know, whatever. And so it is, that is, it's a very scary place to be. Well, that's a tough one too, because there you have to have some degree of vulnerability to help it make sense. You can't just say like, I'm going to be out next Tuesday and the next Thursday and Friday. Like if there's a context and not necessarily an explanation, but like an understanding, it probably makes it easier to kind of come and go and, and work around it. But then if you feel like, okay, I get slapped on the wrist for like sharing all of this or it's not okay, like that would be quite a dilemma. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And especially if it's, if you're dealing with someone in, in power, like a manager oh, or a totally. supervisor or whatever, I mean, I mean, I'm sure y'all probably have been there too. I definitely have of being in a situation with uh, with a, a supervisor where, you know, you they, they kind of pull for you wanting to be like open and, and share like what's going on with you. And then it comes back to bite you in the butt. And so that can cause people to be, you know, very cautious. Yeah, for sure. I also think it's interesting when I think about vulnerability that some people 
find like large groups to be, they're more likely to have a vulnerability hangover. Like let's say you've been in a big group function with a lot of people. Sometimes that can feel disconnecting or unsettling for people. And then there's other people who have the flip side that like a small group with just a few people feels like it's much more likely to promote a vulnerability hangover. Do y'all hear that? Or do you have an experience of one or the other for you? Yeah, I I do. I mean, I hear it like particularly from clients who struggle with social anxiety. (laughs) That's, that is a big one where there is so much focus on they get in their heads too much with social anxiety. So to go out and to do something in a social situation, a lot of times when they'll come in session, I'll hear them like playing out sort of all of these things, whether it's accurate or not, that's a different story. I mean, and I I know for me too, I don't necessarily know. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say like social situations, like where I don't know anybody there, I feel I can feel kind of like really awkward. And then I'll replay in my mind after the fact, like, how I did or, you know, did I make sense? Was I coherent? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm much more likely to feel that vulnerability hangover after like larger group functions, right? So you give me like one, two, three people and that can feel much better to me, but like it's much harder for some reason. I think I just feel like sometimes like you don't connect as much or not quite sure where you stand or there's a lot of different dynamics trying to navigate. So more overwhelmed with that. I think as I'm growing older, I mean, I think I've, I probably am most, much more likely to have a vulnerability hangover with a smaller group of people, because that's where I'm more likely to go really deep in what, what's really going on with me. I think in a big group, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know that I've been in a lot of big group social party kind of situations in a while, but I, I like those. I mean, those are enjoyable to me. I mean, I, I can make small talk really easily. I mean, that, that doesn't, but I'm, but I am definitely living in a small talk place where with smaller groups of people, it's much more likely that I'm going to really be like bare my soul. And Mm -hmm. that can really feel like a a vulnerability hangover the next day. Yeah. So it can be triggered by different things for different people. And sometimes it's triggered by bearing your soul. Sometimes it's triggered by just, I think for me, like in larger groups, I don't bear my soul, but there's something about feeling maybe like not seen or heard or understood that creates a sense of vulnerability. Yeah. As well. Yeah. What about social media and vulnerability hangovers? It's so interesting, this idea of social media and vulnerability, because I think there's probably a word for it, but I think there's this whole thing of like fake authenticity and fake vulnerability, like the humble brag or like those kinds of things that there is this like, I don't know, just this aesthetic of like, oh my gosh, I'm being so vulnerable, but also like my makeup's done and like, I look really pretty, but I'm showing you how I don't really, I mean, like, so I think it gets kind of. I don't know. I think vulnerability on its face is highly valued in some social spaces, but it's not real vulnerability in a lot of cases. I think it's kind of this like manufactured vulnerability or like vulnerability and authenticity in a way that's feeling not so authentic and not so <laughs> vulnerable. So I don't know. I think it's, but, but there have been times that I feel like I, especially with building this new business and other businesses, I have been more vulnerable on social media. And and I will sometimes have a vulnerability hangover from that. It's often quelled by getting positive feedback, but I, I would imagine it would often be inflamed by getting negative feedback. So I think there's, it's interesting. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I'm on social media more since I've, <laughs> I've kind of taken that on for our business and I'm doing posting several times a week. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting just all the reactions when somebody puts something out there that maybe is like, you can probably tell that it's genuinely vulnerable. I'm thinking about one person who's become this content creator and I like her a lot. I think she's very funny and she kind of 
puts herself out there as far as like what her struggles are with anxiety and ADHD and all this kind of stuff. I mean, and she's gotten some really hateful reactions just about surface level appearance things, that sort of stuff. I mean, and she's come back with her comebacks, which I think are fine. Like if I'm too much to go find less, which I think is great. I'm like, yep, go, you go for that. Go Elise. (laughs) So, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know that I personally have ever put something out on social media. Not yet. It will come next week (laughs) when we're talking about filters. I haven't put something out there where I just feel like completely exposed. And honestly, by the time this podcast comes out, you're going to have to subscribe to see and follow us on social media, quite honestly, badassmethod.com and badassmethod on Instagram or inspiration from the couch on Instagram, same postings. But anyways, yeah, I'm going to put a picture of myself that is unfiltered. So I am not, do not have a filter going on. And it's me like first thing in the morning and, you know, I'm, I'm looking rough, but <laughs> it's okay. I had a sense of humor about it when I took the picture. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's hard to tell on social media whether someone's being like truly authentic. It's kind of like you can spot it when they're not. Right. I mean, that's a lot easier, I think, when you can spot when someone is not really being that that genuine or when you feel like that there's some other sort of motivation for why they're sharing what they're sharing. I'm glad we're talking about this because y'all have a different perspective, like a bit of a different bit. So when I was when I think about social media and vulnerability, I wasn't even thinking about like how vulnerable are you on social media? I was just thinking about the fact like being on social media feels very vulnerable, vulnerable to me, like period stop. Like it doesn't really matter what I'm doing or not doing or how vulnerable I'm being or not. Like the whole thing feels really vulnerable to me. And it doesn't really matter if I get positive feedback or negative. I I haven't gotten, I haven't posted much. So there hasn't been like, I haven't had the like criticism come at me, but I think sometimes like the lack of feedback But yeah, it all feels vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, that's where I think social media can be so impactful in a positive way is I mean, I follow a couple of people on Instagram that are so vulnerable and, and they really, they, I mean, like one person I follow is, is in a body size, very similar to mine. And she did this, she's, she really like models outfits and like, that's her thing is to like show people how to dress a body that looks a lot like mine. And she took this video of herself in a swimsuit. And I think I actually emailed it to you guys. Yes. And it was like, you know, this, this swimsuit does not make me feel my confident best. And I, I mean, I'm fucking amazing. And this one doesn't make me feel fucking amazing. So I'm not going to wear it anymore. And like the vulnerability that it took to show this, like in a swimsuit period on social media, like kudos to that, but that did not look perfect on her. And it was like, oh my God, there are bodies that don't look perfect in every swimsuit. Like, obviously I knew that, but like to see that really made an impact on me. I mean, it really, it really impacted me. So I think there's so much benefit from real vulnerability on Instagram or other social media, because it can really, especially around body size or look or like, I don't know, there's just, there's some ways I think it'd be so helpful, but I think that there's also that like, I don't know, false vulnerability that that gets that you and I think you can tell mm-hmm. I think you can tell yeah yeah and I think regardless of how vulnerable like I'm thinking about even for me like a post on social media where we advertise our workshop like that's not extremely vulnerable but it can still feel vulnerable yeah for sure so if you think about your own lives personally or maybe even the people you love like what have been some recent have you had any vulnerability hangovers recently you know I, I had not put this together until literally we started recording this podcast but do you guys remember last week I wrote an email about it it's, it's out there that I I needed to go home after we were looking. That was vulnerability hangover. I had been super vulnerable with you guys the night before. Very vulnerable. And I I did not put that together until literally right now. But we were out looking. We were supposed to go to lunch. 
and I was like, I need to go home. I got to go back to bed. And it was like 2 million degrees. It was 2 million degrees, but I did, I slept for three hours, which is not typical for me. Like I fell asleep, but I think it was that, that I was like super vulnerable in a very safe place. I mean, it was not, there was no negative stuff coming at me, but I had really been open and very vulnerable. And I think that that's what it was. It certainly sounds like that's what it was. (laughs) Like it was taxing emotionally. Yeah. And I wanted to get back in bed, which is, yeah, what I did. Yeah. (laughs) Felt much better. But yeah, I think that's what it was. What about you guys? I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm, I think like maybe little tiny ones on some of this, the stuff with our new business venture, like doing some of the, like the welcoming email series or any of the other content, you know, kind of that we're creating to kind of like put it out there and like wait for feedback, you know, and then sometimes if I get feedback and I'm like, "Eh, I don't know if I agree with this or not, or like, oh, I was trying my best and oh no, like there are some errors there or another way that would have been sort of more succinct or better or, or whatever. And, and sometimes for me that, that can be, I don't know, kind of put me in that, in that place. I'm trying to think of, any like major vulnerability hangovers. I feel like it's been a little, a little while since I've had something where it kind of takes me out of commission. Not on your ass. <laughs> yeah. I think this new business, there's been a lot of, for me, like, I think that's why it was front of mind, like vulnerability hangovers. So I think putting yourself into the world, I think one of the times we're most likely to feel this is when we put ourselves in the world in some way. So when we show up authentically or we are honest or clear or open, I mean, I think that those are all ripe circumstances. And so I'm thinking about, I mean, Jamie, I relate to all of that, like around getting feedback around things like, and it's exciting and it's not always a huge deal, but that it can kind of, once again, your like nerves are, are on the ending. And I think about our workshop, I think I felt a lot of it. I remember afterwards, people were like, oh my gosh, are you so excited? And I was like, I'm I'm excited, but I'm also tired. tired. And I feel tender, right? <laughs> yes. Just this sense of feeling like a little tender, a little anxious, like this whole mix of things that all came up afterwards. So how do we take care of ourselves? So inevitably, right? And I think the only way to avoid a vulnerability hangover is to like keep your world really small and to stay really safe and to not really do anything. Which, yeah, which once again will have its own costs. And you can listen to our podcast on vulnerability that maybe talks about that. But so if we can expect, like if we're showing up in the world and we're doing epic shit, which we all want to do, and we're putting ourselves out there and we're really connecting and being honest and authentic, we are going to have this. So how do we navigate our way through it? I think like so many other things, having a name for it helps to validate it as an experience. And I think, I mean, even though I know about vulnerability hangover and this has just happened recently, I think putting it together that like, oh, and I think especially when you're in a space where you are being more vulnerable more often. And so I think that we all kind of get in this habit where we're kind of living our lives. I won't even say small, but just like routine. And there may not be a whole lot of vulnerability ongoing there. But certainly if you're trying something new, I think so many people are doing their lives differently right now, whether it's at a new job or a different schedule or different, that I think with newness and like kind of what we were talking about last podcast with a beginner mindset comes some vulnerability. And so if you're beginning, if you're new, especially that might lead to some vulnerability and then, and then some vulnerability hangover. And I've even used the word with, with my oldest daughter, Addison, who has some anxiety and has been struggling, but it's kind of like, we, this has come up in the past few weeks, but I think for her, it's been helpful to have a name. I'm like, okay, do you know what a hangover is? Right? Like, so there's this thing called a vulnerability hangover and that, and she's like, yes, that's what it is. But I yeah. think that there's just like something can deflate when we can name it and recognize it. 
Right. And I think especially with anxiety, it's like when you have a name, you're like, oh, that's what it is. I don't have to keep manufacturing all these 5,000 things that it might be. It's that. <laughs> so it kind of is like, whoo, it can still feel tender. And it can still need some like attending to, but we don't have to like worry. But that's where you shift, I think, from the anxious spinning to this like tender, compassionate place, which once again can be uncomfortable, but it's much better than the like kind of crazy anxious avoidance. Yeah. Looking for what it is. Do I have a headache? Am I hot? Is it exhaustion? Is it this? It's like, no, no, it it can just be this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that one. So naming it. Naming it. And I would say after you name it, like to do things to help you get out of your head, that's where I will notice at first, like if my mind is sort of spinning around and I'm replaying things and I'm overanalyzing things. And yes, I'm noticing that maybe there are some feelings that I'm having in my body, but to do things to get out of my head and help me feel more grounded, whether it's movement or just any kind of movement, really taking a walk or doing some yoga or, you know, whatever, or being around other individuals and letting them know like this is what's going on for me and just getting some validation too is helpful. I like that one. So how do we really tend to ourselves like when it comes up, nurture ourselves and get out of the head? I think for me, the other thing I think about is how can I almost like start to anticipate it and plan for it, right? So next week, and it won't be next week by the time you hear this, but we'll be doing workshops again. And so I think I'm already expecting like, okay, I can imagine that like by Friday afternoon when we're done with those, like I might need to do something to take care of myself in a different way to just help with that. And I don't have to be surprised when it comes up or like bothered by it. I'd be like, yeah, there it is, right? Um, And almost even, like you said, planning for that. So you don't just barrel through and have like 5,000 things planned that you can just say, you know what? I can anticipate that I'm going to need some time. And maybe let's corner off my schedule. Let's let's kind of give myself that that space. I love that. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And we will look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Music